gospel according to Job, because in Job 9, he asked a question. How can a sinner like me and a man like me ever be just in the sight of a holy God? And he describes how great and sovereign and big and powerful God is. Then Job looks at himself sitting there in the ashes, broken and bankrupt and bleeding. And he's wondering, how can a lowly person like me ever know a God as high and holy as him? And Job said, I'll tell you what I need. I need an intercessor. I need an arbitrator. I need a go-between. He called him in this text. The only time you read about it in the Bible, this word, daysman. Chapter 9, Job said, oh, if there was just a daysman. And notice in the text what he wanted the daysman to do in Job 9, 33. He said, I want the daysman betwixt us, that he might lay his hand upon us both. He said, if this daysman that knows the law, he knows what's right and wrong, but yet, Daniel, he has our best interest in mind. He's not just somebody that's got the law in his head, but he's got the love of God in his heart. I've met a lot of preachers through the years had the law of God in their head, but it had never transferred to the love of God down in their heart. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. You listen to your pastor. That law is brutal and it will kill you. But love doeth all things well. And Job is warning somebody that's holy and right, that knows the law, that knows what's got to be done, but yet he wants somebody that's got a heart of love that'll just get, I love this little phrase, betwixt. It sounds like Job's from Georgia, North Carolina right there. Betwixt. Get betwixt us that he might lay his hand upon us both. And right at this particular moment, Job is so distraught and blinded by his affliction that he can't find him. Now, before you criticize Job, you'll be at a place where you won't find God. You won't feel God. You'll know he's there by fact, but you won't know he's there by feeling. There's not a person in this room today that's been saved any time at all. So you've looked around and said, where is God in all of this? Where is God in this pain? Where is God in this discombobulated circumstance? I want to tell you whether you feel him or not, or whether you find him or not, standing somewhere in the shadows is a faithful friend. And in this wonderful book of Job, Job begins to look for this daysman, this go-between. And he is so blinded in several places that he is so close, but yet Job can't seem to find him. But he describes him to us. And I don't know how long we'll take a look at this, but there are seven or eight glimpses of Jesus in the gospel of Job. In this little book filled with nothing seemingly but pain and misery is eight awesome pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Buddy, I'm telling you, he, he hadn't even been born in Bethlehem yet. They hadn't even celebrated the first Christmas yet. But those Jews, if they'd have had any light in their mind at all, they'd have never rejected the Nazarene. Because Job said, somebody's coming. And he gives us several, several glimpses of him. And this morning, my heart is about to explode. I want you to look in Job chapter 16 and verse number 19. One of the glimpses we get of this Savior, this intercessor, and we're going to alliterate these that we might be able to remember them better. We're going to use the letter R. So the next time you look for God, just think of that little letter R. And right here in the book of Job, you'll find him. And when you find him, you will discover that he's everything that he ever claimed to be and a million times more. Number one, I believe the first glimpse we get of this daysman, this go-between, I call him the recording one. The recording one. The one that's really keeping the accurate record. Notice how Job describes him in chapter 16 and verse 19. He says, also now, behold my witness, oh my. I got a witness, my witness. You say, Pastor, are you dispensationally correct? Don't you understand that we're in the Old Testament in Job and we live in New Testament days? I know, but God knows the end before the beginning ever gets started. And Job said, I got a witness. I got somebody that's seen it all. I'm glad we have a witness. In fact, we have a threefold witness. We got Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the Word of God. And Job said, I have a witness. Can I get a witness? Behold, my witness is in heaven. Do you realize that in this text, he is right in the middle of the dialogue between him and his friends? Have you ever noticed this? In the first three chapters, God talks. In the last two chapters, Job and God talk. But the most of the book is the dialogue between him and his friends. And they're telling him, we don't understand Job. You live for God. You did what was right. You led your family and burnt offerings to God every morning of those children's life. And Job, we don't understand, like, how can somebody as holy and perfect and upright ever walk through such these hard valleys? Job, there must be some unconfessed sin in your life. Isn't it amazing how much we know about other people and know about ourselves? I've got some friends of mine, they can write a book on your problems and don't have the slightest idea what's wrong with them. Job said, I have a witness and my witness is in heaven. 
you may not know what's in my heart, but there's one in heaven that does. You may not really know how I feel, but there is one in heaven that does. You may not understand the weight that's upon me, but there is one in heaven that does. I've come to tell everybody in this room this morning, you may feel like nobody on planet earth would care if you lived or dropped dead right now. But there is one in heaven who really knows. You may be sitting here this morning and thinking, oh, if these people only knew what I was going through. Well, I can tell you most of us don't. But I've come to tell you there is one in heaven that really knows. He says, my witness is in heaven. I love my family, but they don't always understand. I love my friends, but they don't always understand. I love my preacher buddies, the thousands of them across this country. I try to bear my burdens and theirs, but they don't always understand. But aren't you glad, Glory? I'm about to get emotional. We had a couple leave our church one time because I got too emotional. I'm sorry. They do too when they watch ball games, but I'm emotional because when my friends are weeping and when my members are weeping on the other end of that phone, Don, and I ain't got one word to say, and I don't even know what to say to them. I said to my wife last night, riding down the road, scrolling like a baby, and she was too. And I said, baby doll, I don't even know what to say. She said, I don't know what to say or what to think right now. But I've come to tell you when I don't know what to say. And when I don't know how to think. And little daughter, and Belle, when I'm standing by that memorial service for your Loved ones, God, I want to dry your tears. I want to take that pain out of your heart. But I'm telling you, Brother Joe, don't always understand. I don't always know. I feel so inadequate. My words seem like they're not just enough. But I've come to tell you, my witness is in heaven. And your witness is in heaven. And the one I read about in heaven is sovereign omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing. Listen to this. He not only knows how I feel, but he's been there. Now you let that get a hold of you. Not only does he know how I feel, but he's already been there because he has been tested and tried at all points like we have been tried and tested. Lord, have mercy. I'm going to go on. I got some more points, but I done got hung up on that. My witness is in heaven. I wonder today if there's anybody, your body and your spirit is in Jonesboro, Georgia, but your advocate, your high priest, your understander, your burden barrier, your tear dryer, your problem solver, 
My witness is in heaven. He said, there is one in heaven that knows and cares and understands. My witness is in heaven. And look at the last part of verse number 19. I love this. And say it with me. And my record is on high. This daysman, this arbitrator, that Job is saying, please get between us and help me here. Job said, he's the recording one. He's the one that's keeping the score. He's the one that's keeping the record. He's writing it all down in my journal. Hmm. And he knows what I did for him before this storm ever cut loose in my life. He kept a record of it. And he's watching and recording how I'm acting in the midst of it all. He's writing it down. That boy still loves me. That boy still serves me. That boy's not turned his back on me. And he's going to write my story on the other side of this affliction. God wrote it down what I was before all of this. God's writing it down beneath all of this. And he'll be the author of my story beyond all of this. Aren't you glad there is one that is keeping the record? And he's a good record keeper. And his name is our heavenly accountant. You say, well, pastor, what is so wonderful about having a record keeper? Duh. My name is written there. I'm glad I got a record to be kept. My name is recorded there. Boy, if you're a Calvinist, you're going to hyperventilate right here. Brother, I'm glad he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. Don't you run up here and argue about me when it was written before the foundation of the world and all of that. Listen, 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 listen. I ain't going to argue you about that. It may have been there and before the foundation of the world. The Bible talks about it. And I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I didn't know one God blessed thing about it to that moment that I trusted Christ and he saved my soul. Brother, I'm not going to argue with you about something so insignificant as when it was wrote down. I'm going to rejoice in the fact that there is a record in heaven and my name is written in that book. And God has got a record of my salvation. He's got a record of my new birth. He's got a record, Richard, of that wonderful day when we stepped out of darkness into his marvelous light. Some of you fellows in the room today, that overmarried, that married way out of your league. In fact, looking around today, most of you have. I love the men of our church. And the only one that really looks good is Jerry. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, I got in a big way of preaching. But how many of you guys outpunted your coverage? 
you're married out of your league. Some of us need to raise both hands. John Burdett. I know you do, buddy. I know. And how people like me that married a beautiful woman, that, that time has just made an intelligible mark upon my head and my body and my face. I got up this morning. I was able to button this coat. I've lost a little weight, but I can't breathe in it. Can I undo it? <laughs> my girdle's about to get busted here. But Brother Bob, it is what it is. But I'll have people come up to him all the time. I can't believe that sure a while. I just can't believe that sure a while. She is so pretty, I just can't believe. And after a while, that, that will psychologically damage a man. Jackie, you'll get to where you don't want to take her to work because they're going to make fun of you when you get there. But this is what I tell people. As unworthy and undeserving as I am of a wonderful wife that loves me, I can prove to you that she's mine. Because in Smith County, Virginia, on Highway 11, the only road that goes through Smith County, Virginia, on the right upon a hill is a courthouse called the Smith County Courthouse downtown Marion, Virginia. There is a piece of paper Signed by the clerk of Kurt, the clerk of Kurt, the, that person. That beats what some of you said. And signed by Reverend Woodrow Wilson Wishon. That on November the 4th, 1984, at the Faith Baptist Church on Highway 11, at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, Joseph Clarence Arthur Sr. held the hand of Julie Elizabeth Wishon. They joined hands and praised God. They're, they're married to death do them part by the help of God. I'm glad there is a record that I can prove that that sweet little girl is mine. Someone said, Brother Joe, you look like you're 75 or 80. I know. But I'm only 60. And I can prove. I, I, this man asked me the other day, Brother Joe, how old are I? I said, 60. He said, you're lying. You've got to be at least 75. I tell you, I get made fun of everywhere I go. But I can prove to you today that I'm 60. I'm not lying about it. Because in another little county in Virginia called Pennsylvania County, in Chatham, Virginia, is a courthouse. And in that courthouse, there is a record room where the clicker court has it wrote down that July the 22nd, 1962, at 9.35, on a little Sunday morning in the Danville Memorial Hospital, that uh, Reverend J.B. Arthur and Mrs. Reverend Janet Arthur gave birth to this little fella 60 years ago. There is a record of my first birth. There is a record of the day that I married my precious wife. And I mean, did you bless God? I may fall. I may fail. I may not be worth the salt at times that goes on my bread. But bless God, somewhere up in heaven, there is a record book 
where the high and holy heaven clerk of court, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Ghost, and the blood of Jesus Christ, has it wrote down that in that little town of Reedsville, North Carolina, one Thursday night glory, in 1979, a lost preacher's boy bowed his head and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and a dose of blue sky, white cloud, red blood salvation washed out the gable into my soul. I'm glad my record is on high. I'm glad my record is on high. And one day when I get to the city, I don't know who's keeping the gate, but whoever it is, this is going to be my plea. Check the record. I know I've waded through deep water trying to get home, but check the record. And I'm glad through every trial, he's keeping the score. He said, Brother Joe went to bed last night in the crowd and set to sleep and nobody heard it and nobody cared. Wrong. The record keeper. But oh, Brother Joe, I got pain. Nobody knows about the record keeper. Or Brother Joe, somebody hurt me down to the gable end of my soul and nobody really knows. There's the record keeper. Daniel, I don't know how you really feel when you walk in that hospital room. And try to talk to your boy and he can't talk back to you. But there's a record keeper. There's a record keeper. Boy, this one that's going to get betwixt us, he's keeping the score. He knows that I loved him when all this happened. He knows I'm still trying to do right in the midst of all of it. And bless God, when I come through the other side of it, he's still keeping the score. Oh, Paul said, it's a record in heaven. Write her down. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And here's how I know he kept the record. Because on the other side of this prison cell, on the other side of having my head separated from my body, on the other side of dying at the guillotine in a mamatine Roman prison, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness whom the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. I'm here to tell you, this daysman, this, this savior, this advocate, this go-betwilder, he's the recording one. My Lord's keeping a record. Can I say this today? He ain't lost your name. Or forgot to record one valley, one storm, one trial. He's got it all wrote down. And there's one thing you'll never find on the other side of your story, your life's journal written by the author. That's good right there. And finisher of our faith. Have you ever read a good book? I mean, it's got you interested. And all of a sudden, it says, the end. Well, when the heavenly register 
the heavenly author and finisher of your life story on the other side. The last chapter. We'll never say the end. It will say you've only just begun. Our Heavenly Father, we love you today.